why writers are on the fence in the streaming era and um, uh, why are they preparing a strike? Because that's where we are. They are preparing a strike. Well, as you know, surely, um, writers are absolutely essential in the supply chain of creation of enjoyable and diverse content in the movie and TV industries. Yet some of them are very much disgruntled at the moment, in particular in the United States. And their concerns seem to stem from the disruptions imposed on their working conditions, in particular by streaming platforms, which now produce their own content via either feature films or series, and therefore use the services of streamers. So, as I said, the writer's concern the concerns seem to stem from these disruptions uh, imposed by the streaming platforms, the streamers, uh, which also use writer services to create their own content. So let's dive into this issue, the changes that caused it, and what may happen next. So first, let's put things into context. The role of writers in motion pictures and TV is essential. And first, let's have a look at the dichotomy between development versus production. Well, at the inception of every picture lay underlying rights of one sort of or another. These rights may be manifest in the form of published uh, of a published novel, novel like The Godfather or an autobiography such as Raging Bull, an unpublished stage play, such as Casablanca, a pre-existing film, Ocean's Eleven, or television series, such as Mission Impossible, even a person's life story, Gandhi, a song, Frosty the Snowman, a graphic novel, like The Batman, a toy, such as the Lego movie, a board game, such as Clue, a video game, such as Tomb Raider, or more recently, The Last of Us, or even a mobile phone app, The Angry Birds Movie. Other films are based on the rarest of all forms of underlying rights, an original idea. Of course, that original idea may be set within the context of historical events, either loosely, such as Singing in the Rain, or more directly, such as the film Chinatown and might also be inspired by actual people from history. Let's look at Citizen Kane, for example. In broad strokes, the underlying rights being acquired as the basis of a motion picture could be founded in copyright, trademark, personal rights. So these are the US law rights of privacy and publicity. And also these rights could be, these underlying rights could be founded on implied contract. A combination of all these rights may arise on certain film projects. These underlying rights need being acquired via assignment in order to become part of a chain of title. So a chain of title review should be a component of any acquisition of underlying rights. At its essence, this means identifying the genesis of the idea upon which the motion picture is based, then tracing each link in the chain of ownership 
to ensure that the rights were properly transferred and are not subject to any restrictions or encumbrances that would impair the film producer's ability to produce and exploit the motion picture. The first step is identifying the source of a project. Where did the idea come from? It could be a completely original concept dreamed up by a producer or pitched by a writer, or it may be an original take on a published work or meet of media, art or entertainment. Either way, it would be advisable to enter into an agreement with the originator of the idea. And if a project is based on pre-existing intellectual property, then permission will also need to be obtained from the owner of that intellectual property. In addition, if the pre-existing intellectual property is based on the lives of real people, then to the extent those people are going to be depicted in the motion picture, a signed release will need to be obtained from them in compliance with the rights of privacy and publicity. It is of paramount importance to build a solid chain of title throughout development. How do you secure those underlying rights? Well, the first step is to enter into a motion picture literary rights option slash purchase agreement. Once the necessary chain of title analysis is conducted and the determination of which rights need to be acquired done, the film producers and their legal team will need to construct a deal to acquire those rights. The most typical structure is the priori mentioned motion picture literary rights option purchase agreement. At its essence, an option is a grant of an exclusive right to purchase specified rights from the seller for a specified period of time on specified terms. For example, a producer may pay a book author $5,000 for an 18th month exclusive window wherein the producer may purchase all motion picture and television rights in the book by paying the offer an amount equal to 2.5% of the budget of a picture less the option fee already, already paid and already mentioned, $5,000. At the time the initial deal is being negotiated, it would be advisable to negotiate for the right to extend the initial option period once or even twice for an additional payment for each such extension. Typically, this extension period would run for an additional 12 to 18 months. So the option and purchase agreement is one of the um, contracts that can be acquired uh, through, uh, through, I mean, from authors at the inception of uh, the project during the uh, during the uh, the pre-development stage. At development um, stage, acquiring the underlying rights and clearing chain of title is merely the beginning of a project's development process. The film producers will next want to create a screenplay that has creative merit and is feasible to produce within the target budget. Typically, the first step will be to hire a writer to create an original screenplay or rewrite the existing screenplay if the underlying material includes a screenplay that the film producer wants to use as a starting point. 
as with the original, the initial chain of title clearance, it is crucial to ensure that all rights and material generated during development can and will pass to the production. Therefore, anyone who provides services during this development phase, including writers, and anyone who is supervising and giving notes to the writers, such as the producers and the directors, should all have signed agreements before they begin providing services. This is extremely important, especially once the project proceeds to production. One of these agreements to keep the chain of title clear is the writer agreement. The core topic of this thought leadership article and um, live webinar that we are doing now. So what is the motion picture writer agreement? Well, the first question to ask when the film producers are hiring a writer is whether such writer is a member of a Writers Guild, writers guild of America, WGA. If not, then the production team and the writer are free to neg negotiate any kind of arrangement they would like. Over the WGA rules, in particular, the WGA minimum fees often serve as a guide during negotiations, even with a non-guild member. If a production wants to write, hire a writer who is a WGA member, then they will be required to become a signatory to the, to the WGA minimum basic agreement, the MBA, the minimum basic agreement, and both sides will be governed by WGA rules. While it is possible to hire writers on a weekly basis under WGA rules, it is much more common in the theatrical feature world for writers to be hired on a step basis, where they are paid for each pass of writing they make on a script. The WGA has divided those steps into the following forms, a treatment, a first draft screenplay, a final draft screenplay, rewrite, and polish. The WGA has also set minimum scale amounts that its members must be paid for each of its forms, which varies depending on whether the step is guaranteed or is at the producer's option, and also depending on the budget of a project. Once the production team has determined the number and form of the steps, they want the writer to perform the fixed compensation for each step. So an and amount of time given for the writer to complete each step needs to be negotiated. So once they have determined the number of and form of the steps, they want the rights to perform, then through this writer's agreement, um, the de fixed determination for each step is determined in the writer's agreement, as well as the amount of time for the writer to complete each one of his steps. In addition to the fixed compensation for each step, the writer will try to negotiate for some kind of bonus based on credit. The typical structure provides for a fixed amount to be paid if the writer receives sole credit on the picture, reducible by all prior amounts paid to the writer. So therefore, the fixed compensation for each writing step actually paid, plus a back-end participation equal to 5% of the net profits of the picture. So the bonus they are trying to negotiate, usually in a typical deal, is when the writer has got sole credit, is fixed amount to be paid minus the prior amounts paid for each step executed by the writer, plus also a back-end participation, which is usually equal to 5% of the net profits of a picture. So this bonus can actually be quite chunky.
if you are a sole writer. The writer will also ask for the first opportunity to render writing services on sequels, remakes, and other derivative works, and for the right to receive passive royalties if they are not engaged to provide services on such derivative productions. So all these negotiations are done within the writer's agreement at, at this stage, right? Pre-production, -pre of course. So now let's have a look at a second dichotomy in the media and entertainment uh, business, which is motion picture versus scripted TV. So far, we have described the writer's contractual arrangements as they apply to the motion picture development and production cycle. Let's turn now our focus away from the theatrical feature film industry and towards scripted television as a medium. There are two key consistent characteristics of scripted television programming, which are essential to understanding the web of deal structures that bind the scripted television industry together. First, television is a writer-driven medium. Let's compare the role of a writer in television to that of a writer in the theatrical feature film industry. In TV, in the most of majority, in the vast majority of cases, the lead creative force behind a series called a showrunner is a writer. This is in contrast to feature films, where the director is typically the auteur, creative force behind a production. So in television, most of accredited producers of a series are writers who shepherd the project throughout its life cycle. Successful showrunners include Ryan Murphy, Shonda Rhimes, Jill slash Joey Soloway, and Leonard Dunham. In motion pictures, on the other hand, the writer's role is generally performed entirely during the pre-production phase, and writers have little to no ongoing role in the actual production of a script. In TV, a pilot, and sometimes even a series, is typically gridlit to production on the strength of a pilot script and the reliability of the writers and producers, with actors and directors being hired after the threshold decision to proceed to production has been made. This is also a major difference from feature films, where the attachment of one or more key actors, and typically a director as well, is virtually always the necessary component that pushes a film project from development into production. The dominant role played by writers in the television industry manifests itself in the process and the deals that bring a series to life. Because television is a writer-driven medium, the writer-producer agreement is often the most significant deal in the development process. But the staffing writer agreements entered into with each one of the writers and writer-producers, other than the creator, also called showrunner, who will populate the writer's room for the series are also minutially negotiated in the scripted TV business. 
Okay, so the whole brainstorming of how the series is going to move forward and proceed and uh, be driven, uh, you know, to its uh, to its development for its development and its outcome. This is all green brainstormed in the writers room where all the writers are working together to create the script, right, and all the dialogues and and the action. Second, second key differentiation between TV and uh, scripted TV and um, the motion picture business, TV is a serialized medium. From a production perspective, a successful television series is always an ongoing project, which requires creative and production continuity over a period of years, months or weeks as distinct from a theatrical feature film in which cast and crew come together once, usually over a continuous or semi-continuous period of time to produce a single closed-ended project watched in one to three hours maximum. Consequently, the deal-making framework of television protects the ability of parties to maintain continuity of production and distribution over a period of weeks, months, or sometimes even years. Now that streamers have successfully entered the space of scripted television by producing more and more of their own series, in particular to meet the mandatory European produced film quotas imposed by the European Union, the likes of Netflix, Apple TV, and Amazon Prime are intensifying competition among studios and networks for the best scripts, stories, talent, and content. Also, streaming companies are moving the tectonic plates of how remuneration of writers work in the film industry, but particularly in the scripted television sector, much to the chagrin of the WGA and its members. So writers were unionized uh, through the Writers Guild of America are now counting on the WGA to pull the strings to improve writers' fate. What is the deadline? The deadline is the 1st of May, where the WGA 2020 theatrical and TV minimum basic agreement, the MBA I referred to prior, is going to lapse, okay? So on the 1st of May, 2023, the WGA minimum basic agreement will terminate. Every three years, the above this, this MBA, uh, which currently stands at a hefty 755 pages long, right? Gets renegotiated and amended by the members of a, and WGA's negotiating committee and the members of a negotiating committee of the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, AMPTP, Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers. So they come together, these committee, these negotiating committees, and they work it out, hopefully. And they work it out to actually um, find some new ground to establish the relationships for the next three years between writers and producers. The expiry deadline of the 2020 minimum basic agreement, as I mentioned before, is the 1st of May 2023, so this coming Monday, which is round the corner. However, the WGA AMPTP contractual negotiations appear to have stalled. Indeed, the WGA announced a two-week break in negotiations starting 1st of April 2023. 
negotiations were slated to pick up again the week starting 17th of April 2023. Interestingly, the WTA AMPTP negotiation is the first of three contract negotiations with entertainment unions. The Directors Guild of America, the DGA, will start negotiations on 10th of May, ahead of a contract expiration on the 30th of June 2023. The Screen Actors Guild, SAGA, Screen Actors Guild of America, contract with AMPTP will also expire on the 30th of June 2023. So we have these three negotiations looming, the one with the writers, which is going nowhere, and the one with the directors and the actors, which are profiling themselves in the very near future. So the producers uh, uh, guild is, and the producers are quite busy at the moment, negotiating, hopefully negotiating. An authorization of strike to be ordered by the WGA has now been granted. The WGA and its members have grievances and anger has been boiling for a while now. Already in late 2007, until the beginning of 2008, which coincided with the uh, last worldwide financial crisis and collapse, I'm sure you remember, 2008 financial crisis. So in late 2007, until beginning of 2008, a writer's strike took place for 100 days in the United States, almost a quarter bringing a Hollywood production to a screeching halt. If you don't have writers in the writer's room, then no script is being written. Therefore, no script and dialogue is being given to the uh, actors and directors, and therefore no episodes can be shot and filmed. So everything just stopped. The writers are really at the beginning of a supply chain, and they are absolutely essential in the function uh, of, the, of the Hollywood machine. Then four years ago, on the 22nd of April 2019, more than 7,000 WGA members fired their agents en masse in a display of solidarity at the start of the WGA's historic two-year campaign to reshape the talent agency business that still is playing out today. Emboldening the Guild in its ongoing negotiations with the studios and streamers, for a new film and television minimum basic agreement. Five days before the mass firings in 2019, the WGA filed a lawsuit against the big four talent agencies of the time, which were and still are CAA, WME, UTA, and ICM Partners, although ICM Partners now has been acquired by CAA. So the WGA filed a lawsuit against those those talent agencies that sought to establish that packagings in which the major talent agencies were paid fees by production companies to package the creative elements of a project were illegal under California and federal law. Three of the eight named plaintiffs in the case, Meredith Stein, Ashley Gable and Derek Hughes, now serve as members of a WGA's contract negotiating committee with Ms. Time being elected president of the WGA West six months after the last of the major agencies finally agreed to give up packaging fees in February 2021. So why are the WGA and its members angry? 
On the 14th of March, 2023, the WGA released a statement complaining that driven in large part by the shift to streaming, writers are finding their work devalued in every part of the business. According to the WGA, while company profits have remained high and spending on content has grown, writers are falling behind. The companies have used the transition to streaming to cut writer pay and separate writing from production, worsening working conditions for series writers at all levels. On TV staffs, most writers are working at minimum regardless of experience, often for few weeks or in mini rooms, while showrunners are left without a writing staff to complete the season. And while series budget have soared over the past decade, median writer-producer pay has fallen. In comedy variety, writers working for streaming services, which are now the primary platforms for entertainment content, lack the most basic protection of minimum basic uh, agreement minimums. For screenwriters, compensation has also stagnated over the past four years. They pay is often stretched out over many months and can be held hostages by producers' demands for free work, particularly for screenwriters working at or near MBA minimum, these conditions are untainable. So this statement is quite punchy and does set out rather, um, you know, in a raw way, what the situation is like in Hollywood for writers at the moment. If you are not a showrunner, and even if you are a showrunner, um, you're going to suffer as a, as a writer. That's, that's more or less what it's saying, even if you are in the feature film business. So, so streaming studios have reshuffled the cards, disturbing the old set ways of the TV business by giving short orders to writers for usually eight to nine episodes rather than 22 to 23, as is customary in linear TV. The streamers have also separated writing from production and are also not relying on any season calendar, which in the television series cycle runs from September to, of each year to August of the following year. So it really is like a, a, a very well-established cycle of all these series coming through. You know, they do the uh, pilot, if the pilot works, but they present then in New York at a convention where all the series are being presented. If a pilot works, then it's going to be produced, you know, in um, eight, nine episodes or 20, 23 episodes. And then, this, you know, the season kicks off and go into production, et cetera, et cetera. So this, this whole well-established way, set ways of doing things, and the streamers, they don't care. They absolutely don't care about this. They don't have a calendar. They do whatever they, the heck they want. Streaming companies are to a degree, yes, entertainment companies, but they are tech companies. So they want efficiency, right? And efficiency doesn't always mean giving a nice and uh, cushy life to writers. So to conclude, the WGA and its members want more money, elegantly described in the statement as writer compensation and residuals from features in theatres or on streaming platforms. And they also want more job security, as well as an end to the mini rooms, which are a smaller number of writers in the writer's room. Other demands relate to increasing contributions to writers' pension and health funds, as well as getting ahead of burgeoning technologies like artificial intelligence that are perceived as threatening writers' jobs. 
apparently writers in America are already thinking that the likes of chat GPT will uh, take over the, uh, the jobs. I personally doubt this, but probably, yes, uh, artificial intelligence, in particular relating to writing content, may you know, increase the, the speed at which um, scripts are being turned around, but you st will still need some human beings behind that, behind those uh, behind these artificial intelligence sol solutions to, um, to triage the, the output and um, also uh, put in the prompts. Anyway, on the 17th of April, 2023, the results of the WGA strike authorization vote were in with 9,020, so 97.85% of WGA members voting for such authorization. Therefore, if no deal is in place by the 1st of May, 2023, which is looking increasingly likely, there is a very high probability that the WGA will start a strike and all its members with it. So let's watch the space and see whether the writer's ire has a ripple effect on the WGA slash AMPTP negotiations with the directors and the SAG-AFTRA slash AMPTP upcoming contract negotiations with the actors. Let's watch the space. And also let's watch the space as to how the strike is going to take place. What is going to be allowed for those writers and what is not going to be allowed um, to do uh, during a strike by, the, by those writers who are members of the WGA. So what's happening on the other side of a pond, right? In Europe, where most of our clients are based in particular in uh, the United Kingdom and, uh, and France. Well, in the Great Britain, uh, there's a risk of inflammation potentially in the horizon because writers in the UK are not very happy either. The Writers Guild of Great Britain, WGGB, is the trade union representing professional writers in TV, film, theater, radio, books, comedy, video games, animation, etc. So it is the equivalent of a WGA, but for the United Kingdom. Like the WGA in the US, the WGGB negotiates rates and agreements on behalf of its members. Such rates and agreements cover TV, theater, and certain areas of theatrical feature films. These national agreements cover key industry bodies, including the BBC, ITV, the National Theatre, the Royal Court, and the Royal Shakespeare Company. The Writers Guild of Great Britain lobbies and campaigns on behalf of writers to ensure their voices are heard in a rapidly changing digital landscape. Therefore, the WGGB swiftly displayed some solidarity towards the WGA and its members in their contracts negotiation efforts, releasing a statement setting out that, I quote here, in line of the WGA's ongoing contract negotiations, including the recent announcement of a strike authorization vote from 11 to 17th of April, 2023, the WGGB's Executive Council has supported the following motion. The Writers Guild of Great Britain advises its members not to work on projects within the jurisdiction of the WGA for the duration of a strike. Some commentators are even musing over UK writers following the footpath of their US colleagues and contemplating labor action on their own. However, this is pure speculation at this point in time. What about France and its writers? Well, it's all quite on the Western Front in France. 
The French are mainly concerned about the fact that a WGN writer strike may impact indie production and sales at the upcoming 2023 Cannes Film Festival, which will start in two or three weeks' time. So this is the main concern of the French in relation to the WGA strike, which is upcoming. French writers are represented by the Société des Auteurs et Compositeurs Dramatiques, SACD, and the French being very attached to their rights, privileges and perks, the SACD is doing a very efficient job to ensure that its members are well protected, well paid via royalties, wages and residuals, and cannot be bossed around by film producers and showrunners, TV producers. In November 2022, the SACD has even obtained the, the French audiovisual authority, ARCOM, which rules all French TV and cable networks, as well as streamers, which offer content in France, has a right to check the provision of writers' agreements with their producers in order to assess whether these clauses are compliant with French copyright law. That's nice. A French individual authority can actually ask to uh, get, uh, you know, copy of a, of a writer's agreement, which are supposed to be confidential, and double check that uh, they are in compliance with uh, French copyright law and also, I suppose, there, so to speak. So with French theatrical members on demand and up post-COVID, French writers make the most of a protective context in which they evolve where mandatory EU content quotas for SVOD platforms, imposing that 30% of all content on streaming services must be European-made, guarantee demand for original homegrown films and series, which most streamers will be unable to feel on their own. So that's it from me this week. Thank you so much for being there during this um, live webinar. I look forward to seeing you very soon 